Solidarność Appendices From the Polish Coup to the Present Day A Brief Summary by Stan Crook Ongoing repression of Solidarność throughout the 1980s, despite the lifting of martial law in 1983 and the official amnesty granted to its victims in 1986, was accompanied by a series of economic reforms similar to those pursued by Gorbachev in the Soviet Union from 1985 onwards. The ruling Stalinist elite began to privatise state property in the name of so-called market socialism. Non-core economic operations, which were often more profitable than the centralised major industries, were sold off to managers and party officials, so-called nomenclatura privatisations. At the same time, state-owned enterprises were nominally opened up to market forces. They were to be independent units of production, self-financing and self-managed, i.e. by managers, not the workers. In theory, their financial performance would determine their profitability and rates of pay. But given that control of investment in industry remained centralised in the hands of the state and was thereby subject to all the failures inherent in bureaucratic top-down so-called planning, the independence of enterprises remained largely illusory. These reforms did nothing to resolve Poland's ongoing and deepening economic crisis. Inefficiencies at the level of the individual enterprise increased. Shortages in shops became more frequent and more widespread. Waiting lists for consumer goods lengthened. More and more human labour and raw materials were wasted on the production of substandard goods. Insofar as the economy functioned at all, it did so on the basis of bribery and barter between individuals and enterprises. In other words, the defining features of the Stalinist economy remained intact. In the late 1980s, the intensifying economic crisis resulted in a new wave of working-class strikes and protests. Increases in the price of food of up to 40% in February of 1988 triggered strikes across Poland. Gdansk shipyard workers struck in early May, but returned to work within a week. Strikes by miners in the July Manifesto mine quickly spread to other mines. This, in turn, encouraged strikes in other industries and a renewed strike by Gdansk shipyard workers. The strikes were only a shadow of the industrial insurgency of 1980, but they were sufficient to make the PZPR realise that piecemeal reform of the Stalinist command economy was not viable. The economic crisis had not been resolved. There was the risk of a rebirth of working-class militancy. To resolve the former and prevent the latter, the PZPR turned to the leaders of Solidarność. Despite having been driven underground, the union had been formally banned in October 1982, Solidarność structures had been maintained in a weakened form throughout the decade. At the same time, the more compromising elements in it had become increasingly dominant. 
state repression had disproportionately impacted on the more militant and more radical elements in Solidarność, sometimes for personal reasons, sometimes for political reasons, Solidarność had also suffered a succession of splits. The absence of mechanisms for democratic accountability under conditions of state repression had also allowed Fuenza to restructure Solidarność's leading bodies at will. The Temporary Council of NSZZ Solidarność in 1986, the National Executive Committee of NSZZ Solidarność in 1987, the Citizens Committee 1988 and the Solidarność Citizens Committee 1989. By the end of the decade, control of the much weakened Solidarność organisation was firmly entrenched in the hands of Fuenza, his supporters and his pro-free market intellectual allies. Modzelewski contemptuously referred to them as, quote, the Republic of Buddies, end quote. In August, the PZPR responded to the strikes triggered by its hike in food prices by calling for talks with Solidarność. Fawenza took up the offer and met with the PZPR Minister of Internal Affairs five days later. The next day, all strikes were called off and Fawenza prepared for further talks with the PZPR. Those talks took place in Warsaw from February to April the following year, for round-table talks. The name itself summed up how far the Solidarność leadership had travelled in the course of the decade. These were not talks in which the union leaders and the PZPR confronted each other on opposite sides of the table, with their negotiations broadcast live to striking workers. But these were private talks in which Solidarność and PZPR leaders sat around the same table, shared a common purpose and discussed a compromised outcome with the assistance of representatives of the OPZZ Stalinist Fake Trade Union Federation, so-called independent authorities, i.e. Stalinist-run front organisations, and two priests. And that, despite the fact that the PZPR had banned Solidarność, imprisoned thousands of its members and killed nearly a hundred of them, while the OPZZ, a creation of the PZPR dating from 1984, had been the recipient of all Solidarność land, property and equipment seized during martial law. Unsurprisingly, Fawenza's readiness to lead Solidarność into such talks triggered a further split in Solidarność. The fighting Solidarność faction, committed to confrontation rather than conciliation with the regime, but also politically committed to Polish nationalism rather than working-class socialism, walked out of the organisation. The upshot of the talks was legalisation of Solidarność, creation of the post of president, creation of the senate as a second chamber in addition to the parliament, and the holding of what came to be called semi-free elections, in which all seats in the Senate and 35% of seats in the, in the Parliament would be contested. The other 65% of seats in the Parliament were reserved for the PZPR. Solidarność emerged from illegality and quickly grew to some one and a half million members, 
far fewer than prior to its outlawing, but still a potential major social force. But whether and how that potential might be realised depended on the politics of the organisation's leadership. Their politics was clear from the public statements issued in the run-up to the semi-free elections of June. Support for the introduction of the free market and support for a moratorium on strikes. Solidarność contested the elections under the name of the Solidarność Citizens Committee, winning all 161 contested seats in the Parliament and 99 out of 100 seats in the Senate. Neither Solidarność nor the PZPR had expected such a level of success. But the turnout in the June elections had been a reflection of demobilisation and demoralisation. 62% in the first round and just 26% in the second round. After the tragedy of the failure of the Solidarność leadership to resolve the dual power situation in favour of working class rule in 1980-81 came the farce of its willingness to promote the particularly brutal shock therapy transition to capitalism launched in 1990. With the support of Solidarność parliamentarians, the newly elected parliament elected Jaruzelski as president. Solidarity itself formed the new government, headed by members of Fawenza's so-called Republic of Buddies. Mazovietsky was Prime Minister, and Belcherovich the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance. The new government also included PZPR parliamentarians. The Belcherovich programme of shock therapy, drawn up with the assistance and support of the World Bank and the IMF, was put into effect in January 1990. State subsidies and public spending were slashed. The newly created Ministry of Privatisation carried out the function embodied in its name. Poland was opened up to global competition. Unemployment rocketed and wages slumped. The main beneficiaries of the mass privatisations were members of the old Stalinist elite, alongside a layer of the Solidarność Republic of Buddies. But for many of Solidarność's rank-and-file activists of the 1980s, shock therapy meant unemployment and poverty, and the need to organise resistance to their own government. A new wave of strikes was organised by Solidarność activists, grouped together in the network, Siech, and ex-Solidarność activists who founded Solidarność 80. There were 305 strikes in 1991, 6,322 in 1992, and 7,443 in 1993. Coal and copper miners, transport workers, teachers, and other public sector workers played the leading role in the strikes. In late 1992, Solidarność called a national strike against increases in the cost of living and all mines in Upper Silesia were shut down by a general strike. In early 1993, 300,000 workers across Poland struck for a month. In the spring, Warsaw was virtually shut down by a Solidarność organised two-day strike. 
Opposition to the role played by Solidarność parliamentarians also found expression within Solidarność itself. Conflict between its different factions intensified. Fawenza talked of war at the top as dissatisfaction mounted with his failure to galvanise opposition to government policies. In the autumn of 1990, Fawenza banned the Gazeta Viborcha newspaper from using the Solidarność logo. The paper had been launched after the roundtable talks as the Solidarność election campaign paper. Its slogan had been, There is no freedom without Solidarność. But for Fawenza, freedom did not extend to freedom to criticise Solidarność parliamentarians and Fawenza himself. Fawenza stood down from office in Solidarność after his election as Polish president in 1990. The 1991 Solidarność Congress rebelled by refusing to elect his appointee as his successor. In the spring of 1993, the wave of popular protest resulted in the Parliament passing a motion of no confidence in the government and the calling of new elections. The SLD, the post-Stalinist successor to the PZPR, and the PSL, Polish Peasant Party, based on farmers' opposition to the impact of shock therapy, won two-thirds of the seats. Candidates standing under the Solidarność banner picked up less than 5% of the vote needed to win seats in the Parliament. Two years later, Fawenza was defeated by the SLD candidate in the 1995 presidential election. The SLD-PSL coalition government largely continued the policies implemented by its predecessor, even if in not so aggressive a form. But working-class opposition to its policies collapsed. Levels of unionisation were in decline and demoralisation was widespread. There were never more than 42 strikes a year under the coalition, with a maximum of 42,000 strikers in any year. Closely linked to the SLD, given that both were post-Stalinist success organisations descended from the same nomenclatura, the OPZZ now repeated the role played by the Solidarność leadership in the early 1990s. It stifled working-class unrest to allow for the pursuit of anti-working-class policies by the SLD-PSL government. Dissatisfaction with the record of the SLD-PSL coalition, scandal-mongering agitation around the Stalinist past of leading figures in the SDL and hypocritical denunciations of the demobilising role played by the OPZZ provided the opportunity for a new foray into electoral politics under the Solidarność banner. In 1996, the AWS Solidarność Electoral Alliance was created, an alliance of some 40 Catholic and right-wing organisations which laid claim to the Solidarność heritage and included some of the Union's current and former leaders. In the following year's parliamentary elections, the AWS campaigned as defenders of workers' rights against SDL-PSL attacks and as champions of traditional Polish values defined as Catholicism, patriotism and the family, which was supposedly at risk from the SDL. 
but the AWS's supposed commitment to the defence of workers' rights certainly did not include support for working-class self-activity. Marian Krasiklevsky, Solidarnosc chairperson and a co-founder of the AWS, opposed calls for general strike during the election campaign on the basis that the best general strike would be a vote for the AWS in the election. The AWS won 34% of the vote and 201 seats in the parliament. It formed a coalition government with the neoliberal UW Freedom Union. The new government included former Solidarność leader Jerzy Buzek as Prime Minister, Balcerowicz, who had switched to the UW since his last term of office as Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister, and Solidarność leader in Łódź, Janusz Tomaszewski, as Interior Minister. A new round of privatisations was unleashed by the AWS-UP coalition government. The second wave, following on from that of 1990, introduced the market into public services, privatised pensions and restructured welfare services and local government. The health sector bore the brunt of the attacks. AWS-UP so-called reforms introduced private health insurance, privatised sectors of the health service and fragmented the previously nationally organised health service. Spending cuts resulted in hospitals being shut down and a 30% cut in staffing levels. Doctors, nurses and midwives staged demonstrations against the reform throughout 1999. The following year, after implementation of the reforms, nurses demonstrated, went on strike, squatted in government ministries and staged hunger strikes in support of their demands for better pay and working conditions. After around 25,000 nurses demonstrated in Warsaw in June, the government agreed to a pay rise, but by August, 90% of nurses still had not had their rates of pay increased. This triggered a fresh round of strikes and occupations of public buildings. The response of Tomaszewski as Interior Minister was to authorise the use of rubber bullets against protesting health workers and the use of anti-terrorist police against nurses' occupations. The AWS and UP paid the price for their record in, the, in power in the 2001 elections. In a virtual rerun of the 1993 elections, the former won 5.5% of the vote and the latter 3%. Both parties lost all representation in the Parliament. The hurdle for electoral alliances had been increased in 1997 to 8%. the AWS lingered on to contest the 2002 Regional Assembly elections when it secured just 3.4% of the vote. Two new right-wing parties emerged from the demise of the AWS, PO, Civic Platform, and PIS, Law and Justice. The 2001 elections had been won by the SLD, which formed a coalition government with the UP, Labour Union, a small social democratic party. But all subsequent elections for the Parliament, 2005, 2007, 2011, 2015 and 2019, were won either by the PO, traditional right-wing, or the PIS, hard right-wing and populist, 
After 2001, Solidarność focused primarily on its role as a trade union and on attempting to make good the damage it had suffered through its association with the AWS. Public opinion polling found that 70% of negative attitudes towards Solidarność in the early 2000s were based on its association with the AWS and the latter's record in power. This was despite the fact that many, or according to some reports, the majority of the strikes against the AWS-UP coalition's policies had been organised by Solidarność members. Solidarność found itself operating in a hostile environment. The post-1989 economic transformation of Poland had created an unfavourable terrain for union recruitment. Deindustrialization swept away the industries and enterprises in which Solidarność had been based, replacing them by service industries, micro-enterprises and the gig economy. 96% of Polish firms now employ fewer than 10 workers and 40% of Polish workers are employed by them. The union also faced competition from the FZZ Trade Union Federation founded in 2002 and the larger OPZZ Federation, neither of which were tainted by Solidarność's links with the governments of 1989 and 1997. Solidarność's membership had slumped from 10 million in 1980 to 1.5 million after legalisation with further losses triggered during and after the 1989 and 1997 governments. Between 2001 and 2005, Solidarność lost a third of its membership. By 2008, its membership was less than 700,000. This was in the context of an overall fall in the level of unionisation in Poland, down to around 12% today, one of the lowest rates in Europe. Unions have only a minimal presence in the private sector and multinationals. Solidarność and the OPZZ both claim memberships of 500,000, while the FZZ claims a membership of around 400,000. And although Solidarność withdrew from overt electoral interventions after the demise of the AWS, it has continued to show political sympathies for the AWS successor organisation, PIS. Janusz Sniadek, Solidarność chairperson from 2002 to 2010, had close ties with the PIS leader Jaroslav Kaczynski, allowed Solidarność meetings to be used to build support for the PIS and stood as a PIS candidate in the 2011 elections. Sniadek's successor as Solidarność chairperson Piotr Duda promised a fresh start, free of political alignments on the part of the Union, but his own politics placed him firmly in the orbit of the PIS. In 2018, he allowed the former Gdańsk shipyard rooms, where the historic Gdańsk agreements were signed, to be used by the ultra-nationalist ONR, Death to the Enemies of the Homeland, We Will Defend the Holy Faith, for a rally which called for an ethnically homogeneous Poland. 
In 2019, by contrast, he criticised the European Solidarność Centre in Warsaw, which houses the history of Solidarność, for renting out a room to an LGBT organisation. Quote, this is not the kind of freedom we fought for. Solidarność was born under the cross, close quote. Duda has also been noticeably more energetic and militant in challenging the record of PO governments than in challenging the record of PIS governments, even calling for a general strike to bring down the last PO government, 2011-2015, of Donald Tusk. In brackets, Fawenza responded by calling on Tusk to, quote, treat them, Solidarność, with police batons, end quote. In 2019, he launched a petition to stop Solidarność calling itself Solidarność on the basis of the union's ties to the PIS. But Fawenza's hostility to the PIS is personal rather than political. He and PIS leader Kaczynski hate each other, close brackets. By contrast, on the eve of a major teacher strike in 2019, Solidarność broke ranks with the OPPZ and FZZ by signing up to accept a pay offer by the PIS government of 9.6%. Two other unions continued to demand and strike for 30%. The pay deal with the government was signed by the head of the teachers section in Solidarność, Richard Proxka, a PIS member and local government representative. He promised consequences for Solidarność members who went on strike anyway. All this is far removed from the Solidarność of 1980. Solidarność at that time was a mass movement of militant struggle, capable of overthrowing the Stalinist regime. Today it has lost 95% of its membership, struggles for its survival in the face of competition from the OPZZ and FZZ, and is in the political slipstream of right-wing populism. Its fatal mistake in 1980-81 was its adherence to the idea of a self-limiting revolution. The political opponents whom it confronted in a situation of dual power placed no such restraints on their actions. First, they crushed Solidarność under martial law. Then they used its leadership to push through the shock therapy and repeated waves of privatisation whereby the Stalinist command economy in Poland came to be replaced by free market capitalism. None of this was historically inevitable. Of all the anti-Stalinist protests which exploded in Eastern Europe during the 1980s, Solidarność was the only one which took the form of a new, specifically working-class organisation. But it was an organisation of which the leadership lacked the perspective and drive to replace the Stalinist sham worker state by a genuine worker state based on working class democratic rule. There is no disputing the heroism of the struggles of Solidarność in the 1980s, but some four decades later, the Polish working class continues to pay the price for its failure to take those struggles to their logical conclusion.